0: There was some good, some bad, but a lot to talk about from West Virginia's 38-15 loss over Penn State. This is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Patrick now, back with you today. Week one loss uh, to Penn State on the road last night on Saturday night. Um, overall... Let's just get right into it. I'm not surprised they lost by any stretch of the imagination. I thought they competed pretty well, especially in the first half. Um, And then overall, I think it's just the wear of those two Penn State running backs, Drew Aller being a really good quarterback, proving that, and just not having the most experienced quarterback for yourself. And that Penn State defense was really good there in the second half. So that was my main kind of thing. I thought West Virginia hung in there, uh, just couldn't quite get over that hump in the second half.
1: Yeah, uh, I think they performed well in the first half. You know, going into halftime at 14-7, I think was that was a big win for West Virginia, keeping it close. Um, I think Garrett Green during that game, he showed, he showed signs of being able to be a really good quarterback. Um, Drew Aller at I think as Neil Brown said, the goal was to try and make Drew Allard beat West Virginia and Drew Allard did just that in his first start. He proved that he is, he is a legit quarterback.
0: Yeah. I thought we'll get to Allard's in the way that we'll get to that in a second, but uh, I thought things started out in an okay manner. If you're West Virginia, especially on offense Um Picking up that first, first down on the first drive, I thought was huge just to kind of give yourself a little bit of breathing room. And then you obviously then punt uh second offensive drive, same thing, get one first down kind of stalls out from there, but uh, you had not a lot of uh, successful passing down the field early on. Part of that was in pass protection. There was not a ton of time given uh, but also Garrett kind of escaped a little early in some spots. I thought, I thought he could have hung in there a little more, but it's also the decision of if he escapes and he can run, he can run. Um, let's go, let's start with the defense side of the ball. Uh, obviously the 72 guard touchdown against Aubrey Burks isn't great. Um, it seems like he was there in position. He kind of just fell down, which which sucks because you would love to, love to have seen him try and make a play there, um, but he really had no opportunity the way he kind of fell down. And that was kind of a, oh no, here we go again. Uh, but then the defense kind of held their own for the remainder of the first half, I'd say. I think they were most successful when they got pressure to Aller. Um, the only thing I will say is that last year we talked so much about get the secondary the secondary the secondary it seemed to me that the secondary played well but the pressure needed to get there and the pressure could never get there for me it was like you would get pressure on aller And then he'd step up and make a play like that 72 yard touchdown early on to Lambert Smith. Like he stepped up, made a play. And there would be times where he would roll out of the pocket or roll away from pressure, step up in the pocket. And he'd be able to make a strong throw to an open Mm -hmm. receiver. So I'm not really too upset with how the defense in the secondary covered um, because there were injuries also. But I think that it's more of a matter of you have to either have someone get to the quarterback or you have to be able to still stay strong on the back end. and West Virginia just got neither of that those things to happen last night.
1: no, uh, the secondary I did think covered really well. The only issue was they weren't able to get the pressure, and so that gave the Penn State receivers who are very talented a lot of time to try and you know find a way to still get open. and then drew Aller, you know, being six five, two fifty guy who's hard to take down to begin with is able to step up and then make that strong throw to an open receiver in a window that, you know, not a lot of guys are going to be able to make sometimes.
0: Yeah. Penn state had nine, what are titled as big plays. So big plays are statistically titled as gains of 15 or more yards. They had nine of them. They had 239 yards of quote unquote, big plays through the air and they had 325 yards of total passing yards. So for me it's you've got to be able to kind of do one or the other, but I thought the tackling was better. Uh you could tell where Penn State's physicality and size especially when they would bring a, a tight end and have three wide receivers and one of them being a tight end and then throw a little screen and then just kind of let bodies do their thing. That was kind of it's hard to defend that especially when you're undersized there. Uh, I thought they kind of got a little bit bullied there. And the screen game did hurt the Mountaineers, but most of all it's those crossing patterns where Penn State was able to just be like, hey, our offensive line can hold up long enough. Drew Aller can step up, make plays, and he did.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's. uh, I think the linebackers played really well last night. Um, The tackling, there were some plays where the running backs – Penn State uh, Singleton and Allen you know plays that probably should have ended in a two three yard gain and instead they would break two tackles and get the first down Um, there was one play I think they had six yards to the first down Adam stopped the line of scrimmage and the guy broke the tackles and just bulldozed through to get the first down so tackling definitely something that looked better still could be improved upon but it's, I think the defense improved a lot from last year for West Virginia.
0: Yeah. You talk about the linebackers, Trey Lathan, he had a really good performance. He, he said he played the mic. Well, Lee, Lee Koba also just, he's, he's just a man. Like he's just, that's a, mm-hmm. like, everyone knows that he, he pops off. Um, Trey Lathan, he had six tackles, which is the third most on West Virginia's defense. And uh, he played well. He was at the mic. Uh, they moved lead to the will, a little bit of a switch up there. Um but I thought both of those guys played when there were question marks surrounding the wheel position, all of fall camp. Um But to your point, I thought, yeah, the tackling, it, it can be better, but we've heard so much about physicality, physicality. I thought they brought physicality to this game, which if, if you want to say it's a measuring stick game, I was not going to think it was a measuring stick game, but to be able to kind of bring a physical side of your defense to a big 10 football team on the road. I'm, I'm not mad at that.
1: Mm -hmm. No, it's that was, and that was one of the things that West Virginia was as West Virginia fans, West Virginia fans were definitely worried about with, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, the noise and, you know, the false start issues going that we've had with that offensive line and, you know, only five penalties for West Virginia in that game, which was, I think that was a huge win for them. Keep the game clean, at least.
0: Five penalties, I think one was a hold. One was an illegal shift. A couple of personal fouls, which were one of them I thought was a little ticky-tack, but um, nothing too detrimental to Mm -hmm. success. And I think playing disciplined football in that environment is really good. And I think that also helped the offense kind of get the running game going. I thought the running game was – like as advertised, as we would ex- would have expected. Um, CJ Donaldson, he's just continues to get better and rush, rush and run the ball. Well, 18 carries, 81 yards and a score. Garrett green, 15 carries 71 yards and a score. Um, his numbers are a little different because they count sacks into his rushing numbers. But the, the point being is that the Mountaineers ran the ball effectively and they have to continue to do that throughout the year. And if Garrett Green can just become more of an accurate passer, his legs, like his legs saved the day multiple times. They were third and nine, third and tens, where he'd rush for eight, nine yards. they pick it up on fourth downer. He'd, there, was, there was one play where they ended up going for it. It was their first touchdown drive. Garrett Green, he, he made that touchdown drive happen. He went from the top of the field to the bottom of the field, gained nine yards, got the first, the next down, a fourth down on a sneak. Next plays a 37-yard pass to Devin Carter. Three plays later, you're scoring seven. So you don't have that last year with A.G. Daniels. You might not even have that with Nico. Um, I thought Garrett Green showed why he is the quarterback, and I think there is a lot to like with him going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at that Penn State defense against Garrett Green, Garrett Green was able to keep the ball out of their hands. He finished the game with no turnovers. Um, he, You could see Garrett got more comfortable later in the game when he was making some throws to Devin Carter. And, um, you know, were, there was some zip on those throws on that 37-yard pass to Devin Carter on that first touchdown drive um he kind of floated it you saw Devin Carter had to stop and slow down but Devin was also wide
0: open and so you don't yeah. want to you don't want to zip something have it go like you have to just get the ball there accurately and he did just yeah
1: that. yeah yeah Devin was wide open so I still liked what he did with it and then you could see he got, as the game went on he got a whole lot more comfortable and that ball that ball was getting into those uh windows for Devin Carter usually to catch it
0: I also think early on they were doing a lot of more conservative play calls just because when you're in that type of environment, it's almost better to have to punt like it's okay, I'll rephrase. It's always better to punt than have a bad play happen, but it's Mm -hmm. almost better to. Have a couple drives where you don't really do anything, but you're just kind of dipping your toe in the water, like when you're kind of slowly going in the pool or whatever, rather than jump in and it'd be a complete fail. So yeah, I'm not mad at the play calls in the first couple of drives. Um The defense kept you in it, obviously. Uh, and back to the defense. Two missed field goals, people want to say, but, like, there should have been probably two interceptions there. There was the tip pass from J.D. Hawkins, which probably should have been picked off. That was a great play by him. And then mm-hmm. later on, Beanie Bishop, he's right there. Or was it Beanie I think it was Beanie Bishop. Is it Beanie Bishop or Andrew? I think it was Beanie Bishop. He's right there, and he just has to make that play in the end zone. So those are two interceptions that could have happened. Um, obviously, Penn State missed two field goals, uh, but – you kept yourself in the game, and then I think you just kind of lost the game there in the third quarter when Penn State comes out and you get a three and out, which on that third down and short, Aubrey Burks got beat. Um, mm-hmm. Low throw, they couldn't convert, but if he catches that, he's housing that. Um, so you get a catch a break there, and then your offense just sputters. Penalty, uh, moving back off your 15-yard run, and then you're just never really able to get going after that and then Penn State puts a touchdown on the board and then you're chasing two scores third down and fourth downs and that was kind of the game at that point
1: yeah it was um missed field goals obviously helped the defense did keep them in um you definitely did see some promise from this team for this week one game I think it was a lot of you know not being able to get over that week one hump for West Virginia but uh you know there were question marks with the team like with Devin Carter we hadn't seen a lot from him um at his previous schools but you know concerned about that receiving room Devin Carter 6 catches 90 yards he proved that he is a legit target and a legit receiver um the play calling there were a couple plays like um on the one trick play the triple end around or whatever they did. Let's
0: let's well let's talk, let's let's talk about both. Of so there were two trick plays that I thought were absolutely foolish. The one the first one where they had like the flea flicker spread jet sweep type thing. It was a, I didn't hate that one, but the one I really just it was confusing was fourth down if you don't get it you're going to lose the game and you bring in a cold quarterback and expect the smallest dude on the field and your starting quarterback to be able to break through and try and get open. Like it's, it's not the best to me. I mean, Neil was pretty upfront about it after the game. He said it was something along the lines of if you work, you look like a genius. Uh, if it doesn't work, people are asking why. It's just one of those things that didn't work. And I get that. Um, I, I I didn't dislike the little trick play trickery, Kansas city chief esque uh, merry go round ring around the rosy. Yeah. I don't know if you. I mean, it worked, so like, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a foolish thing. I feel like, but if you get the points, you get the points. So, the 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 one that really kind of had me questioning was the Nico decision, and I get Nico. You want him to get in the game and you want him to play, but on a fourth down like that, I just think you've got to give the ball to CJ, see what he can do, and just hope for the best. But. I don't know if that's a spot for a trick play is when you're chasing points and you bring in your backup quarterback.
1: Yeah, um, the triple end around, I thought that I liked the play, Um, you know, watching it back since the game. I would have preferred to not. He was obviously just going with the play. I would have preferred to not see him toss that back to Garrett and just take off with it that way because there was yeah he looked was like if he
0: could have kept going he could have gotten the corner he gets he gets yardage there or mm-hmm. even you let Preston then throw the ball down the like you let a wide receiver like that's what I really thought was going to happen I I didn't yeah. think the I did not think Garrett would get the ball back and then it kind of just got blown up in their face
1: yeah that it was just a it was a weird way to run a flea flicker. Um, I just, it looked, it could, it looked like it could have worked, um, with a different design, I think. Um, but also just that defense, they were all over it, ready for it. Um, the Nico one, uh, yeah, you want to get Nico in the game. I don't think, I don't think that's the right time to get him in the game. I don't think a trick play is the right time to get him in the game either. Um, and the Kansas city chiefs thing, I thought it was funny. I thought it was cool to see him do it. It was weird, Um, but it worked. At first, I was like, like,
0: no way they're doing that right now. And then they did it, and then they had the shovel nugget. All of it worked (laughs) for some reason. But, no, I think you're right. I think if you're going to get Nico in the game, that's not the spot for it. And also, there's so much talk about how Penn State's quick from sideline to sideline. And they're going to probably beat you sideline to sideline when you have your not fastest guys running the ball. And I'm not trying to take away anything from Preston Fox. I love the dude. He's a great guy, good player, but he's not your fastest guy going to the edge. Neither is Garrett really. Um So I think moving vertically in that spot is better than moving side to side, especially against a team like Penn state. But um third down, fourth down, Neil Brown was right. That was a story. Uh West Virginia just kind of failed to convert there late, later on in the game. Um, Third down wasn't pretty for the Mountaineers, 4-14. Wasn't pretty for Penn State either. They were in 3-9 and nine at first down. Fourth down was, uh, I mean, you converted three, you attempted six. If you're 50% on fourth down conversions for the year, that's not terrible at all. It's just, I mean, they picked up some, they picked up others. It's just when they picked them up, obviously, and what they did after the fact. The one thing I really didn't love, um, it was, I believe it was a third and seven, third and five, third and seven they they're in the third. You throw a deep ball up the sideline to Preston Fox, good throw, just couldn't come up with it, hard play. And then you go for it and Garrett gets rushed, pressured and gets killed and makes a bad throw. So if you already know you're going to go for it, I don't really like that taking a explosive play type mentality to the third down. I think you should be more conservative in that aspect, but I do think at some point you've got to try and stretch the field. So I guess why not do it then?
1: Yeah. Um, I thought the line, for the most part, they didn't do. They did a pretty good job of protecting Garrett. I mean, Penn State only had Penn State had three sacks that whole game, and, and you know one for of the, a lot. And
0: I think one of them counted on the trick play, or on yeah. Nico's. I think one of them also counted on Nico's like minus eleven yards or whatever that was.
1: Yeah. So I mean, in reality, you know, one sack, two sacks, however you want to count it. I thought the line, I think this is the offensive line that we have, we've been expecting to see with that West Virginia team for the last couple years where they've been the most experienced group each year. And this year it's finally, it's finally showing it's translating to the field. Um, I like the, I like that Neil was aggressive in this game. Um, he was not shy of going forward on those fourth downs uh, three of six, like you said, 50% for the year uh take that uh they controlled the clock by a little more than two minutes than penn state um just weren't able to convert on some of them and when you're against the team as good as penn state you're gonna have that
0: yeah and you're gonna have to also catch breaks and penn state really did not do anything to harm themselves i think they had one penalty the whole night it was like a mm-hmm. false start um drew Aller didn't turn the ball over like they took care of that like they did everything they have to do outside of the couple missed field goals to kind of be a good team. And that's what, like, let's be real, that's what good teams do. Penn State <laughs> played like they're a good football team, like they're a well-coached football team, and because they are. And they, they showed that last night. But back to the Mountaineers for a second, for me, it's just like, I think there's so many things you can grow upon because you showed that you can have these sparks in different places. I think this offensive line, I think this is, like, the offensive line is going to be great. Like mm-hmm. I think when this team gets into October, they're going to start, they're, they're really going to start bullying some dudes uh, if they hopefully stay healthy. A um, couple times pass protection wasn't great, as I said earlier, but you're never going to be great all the time, especially when you're facing a talented defense like Penn state run run block was really, really good. I thought um, there was a couple times they broke They broke runs right up the middle for seven, eight, nine yards. Um, they also I think it's important to note they did not hold when Garrett was rolling out. And so many times you see quarterback rolls out, oh, they hold on the backside, right? And that's a good good thing to me is that he did they did not they did not like have anything behind Garrett when he was trying to rush. Um and then let's let's talk about Garrett's performance. He was never the most accurate passer last year. We knew mm-hmm. he would have to take a step up in his accuracy if he was going to take that next step forward this year. I don't think it's fair to judge him just off of this game yet because of the level of defense that Penn state has. I think once we get past Pitt and Texas tech, we'll have a much better idea of where he stands as a passer accuracy wise, but his decision-making was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I think there were a couple times he just didn't see receivers open. I think there was one, they were going from my right to left, which was from the opposite view of everything else. So uh, I think it was the third quarter, like he had a receiver open in the middle of the field. I think it was Cortez Braham. He just didn't see him. Like he just didn't see him. He was rolling right, throwing left. Um, he just didn't see him. But I think that's a thing that Neil definitely said that he's going to work on is having to keep his eyes down the field because as you saw on the flip side with Drew Aller. Aller, he's never going to scramble and beat you like Garrett did for 9, 10, 11 yards, but he has the ability to kind of just get out of the pocket and then make the throws. I think if you're Neil Brown, if you're Chad Scott, if you're Sean Reagan, and you can have Garrett roll out and have that speed on the outside, but also have the ability to make that throw down the field, then you really put yourself in business because then it seemed like they were always coming at Garrett when he would rush out because they weren't scared he would make the throw but if you can kind of keep them honest, that's when Garrett's playmaking ability can start to come in to effect. And you really have a dual threat quarterback at that point.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's going to come down to once they, once they've played more games together and things like that, Garrett's going to be able to understand the tendencies of these receivers like Devin Carter, um, you know, all those guys, he's going to be able to understand their tendencies. Garrett's also going to become much more comfortable. I mean, this is going to be Garrett. This is a true test for Garrett. These first three games, Penn State was a real test, obviously. Duquesne's going to be that little tune-up game, and then Pitt is going to. I think Pitt will show the true colors of the football team West Virginia is going to be this year. Um, you know, back to the offensive line. Did Wyatt Milam end up coming back in the second half? Uh,
0: he he he, he did, um, but he was out for the majority of the first half.
1: Okay. Yeah. So because
0: he I also think, had a holding penalty. Both tackles, Doug Nestor and Wyatt Milam, excuse me, had holding penalties yesterday. They were the two yeah. they were the two penalties, and then there was the legal formation, and then there was the two personal fouls.
1: Yeah. So I think as as the next couple of weeks goes on, um, you know, Garrett, he's still getting, you know, this is still kind of a new thing for him in this whole in the starting role. Uh with experience, he's gonna be able to you know, keep looking downfield, find those guys. Um, and like you said, with Drew Allard, that guy, his eyes are moving all over that field at all times. Uh, he's taken that step and up in the pocket every single time, it seemed like. So I think it's just going to take a couple games for Garrett to get comfortable, learn the receivers and things like that.
0: Yeah. And what I, what I mentioned kind of on the onset about Drew Allard, uh that I wanted to come back to is this, it's like, you can see the depth and the talent of Penn state by the fact that you are Neil Brown. And you said, I'm going to go have a five-star quarterback and make him the, make him beat me. Right. Like that shows how good their offensive line is. Their two backs are that you're looking dead in a five, former five-star quarterbacks eyes and say, you go beat me. And Mm -hmm. that's a testament to Penn state uh, and how good they are and how deep they are. And so to me, that's kind of, that's the difference, right? Like, for West Virginia, you can look in Garrett Green's eyes, or you can look in C.J. Donaldson's eyes, and be like, "All right, go beat me." Penn State, you look in their eyes, you say, "Go beat me," and sure enough, they went and beat you because they have talent at all three levels. They have talent um, everywhere across the board, and it's not just Big Ten talent; it's future NFL talent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Drew Aller, um, all those guys, Lambert Smith. Um, Wallace the third; those are guys who you're gonna see them. You're gonna hear that name get called on draft day one in the year they're eligible. You're gonna see those guys go to the league. Same on the defensive side for Penn State off on the offensive line, the running backs; those are guys you are gonna see playing football on Sundays.
0: Let's let's do one more thing before we get out of here on this Sunday afternoon. I know we briefly talked in our preview podcast about. Would we be okay with moral victories here for Penn State? Um, I'll go first here. I don't think this really is a moral victory-esque because the score wasn't really that close. However, I don't think the score was as indicative of how the game was played as you might think. I think Mm -hmm. the Mountaineers should be happy. Um, Obviously, you want to win, but you're – only a couple team, only one team ends the year on a win and holding up the trophy. And usually only one team, if that, goes undefeated. So every team is going to have losses. Uh, but I think the positives are you just hung with one of the best teams in the country for a half at their place. And you've got a lot of experience against a really good team on both sides of the ball now. And hopefully you can take the Big 12 play. And let's look around the Big 12 real quick. Like, Texas Tech lost to Wyoming. Baylor lost to Texas State. So I think those were two teams. You had us, like, we both had the Mountaineers losing to, but, like, who knows? Like, you never really know until the games are played, and I think West Virginia proved, and I, I, I'm willing to say this and go on record this, West Virginia will not finish last in the Big Bowl this year. That team that played last night, if they play keep playing like that the rest of the year, they are not going to finish last. They won't even finish, I think, at the bottom four in this league if they keep playing the way they did last night.
1: No, and it's Todd Blackledge. Um, He said last night um, on commentary for the game, um, he said if West Virginia is able to come out and show that effort, um, you know, put that effort from last night into every game this year, they're going to make a bowl game, you know, and that's coming from Todd Blackledge who played at Penn State, and I think that's a pretty good nod from them. Um, For the Big 12, I mean – Baylor has Utah next week, so
0: that's gonna be a test because Utah went out and they made Florida look pretty dumb with a backup quarterback. And, yeah, that they had. Yep.
1: Yeah, so, you, you, Utah yeah. was without a couple guys, so that TC, is it. that's TCU.
0: It. I I I don't like the people saying that's your TCU's this year because they are not the same. However, no. they were three touchdown favorites at home to Colorado, and those boys from Colorado went in there and. They beat them like it wasn't. It wasn't like I mean they won by three, but they played really, really well, and yeah. TCU's defense struggled to stop. It's, stop. Shadur,
1: had five hundred ten yards, and then Travis Hunter looked like a Heisman candidate.
0: Yeah. I, I I was listening to the game in the car on the way up, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like he was, he played like hundred forty three, something ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he played like hundred thirty snaps. 130 snaps. Yeah. He had eleven catches for over a hundred yards, three pa- three tackles, an interception. interception yeah, and yeah, like... PB,
0: yeah. The, he's ridiculous. But we all yeah. he was also the top recruit in the country, and there's a reason yeah. for that. But back to West Virginia, I'm not I'm not mad about it. Um, the loss sucks, yes, but I think there's a lot to take from this going forward. And if you take it in the right way, I think you are setting yourself up for success heading into Duquesne and then Pitt and then beyond that.
1: Yeah. Um moral victory, I don't really think I agree. I don't think it's got that moral victory esque. Um I don't want to necessarily say West Virginia should be entirely happy with the way they played. I think they should be happy with the promise that they showed and so now they've got they've got a whole game's worth of film that they can really dive into, break down, figure out what they can improve upon, you know, come Pitt and Duquesne. But I think they should be happy with, you know, they still hung in there. They showed a lot of promise, a lot of potential. Um, yeah.
0: Let's be real. Penn State lost two games last year to two teams that were in the playoff, won the Rose Bowl, and are looking to cause damage once again this year. And if you're the Mountaineers, you hope that you can take the lessons from this game, learn from them and grow because you're still young in a lot of different areas. Uh, a lot, a lot on that defense, that quarterback still has got a lot to learn, but it seems like there are ceilings that are getting raised with last night's performance. And I think that's what you have to be happy with. So anything else from you? Or are you uh, good to
1: go? Uh, good to go. All right, well, if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. We will be
0: back this week with a Duquesne preview-ish type of pod. Um, until then, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, for am Patrick and Wesley Shoemaker. This is the Google Sports Podcast.